Good evening. We got a smaller group than we normally do, but that's okay. I trust you know the reason why we're here. And it was true for for those who can sing that hymn. You notice the question mark there? It's not a something that we ought to presume. We ought to sincerely ask, can it be that the Lord Jesus Christ bled and died for me? If you believe the gospel, if you believe Christ, if you believe on his blessed person and his finished saving work, he, he more certainly did. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to the book, the epistle of Hebrews. The way it's written, it's almost like a a sermon of sorts. We don't see the author identifying who he is. I I believe it to be the Apostle Paul. And although we don't see who these Hebrews are, we know that it's written to God's people, elect Jews and elect Gentiles, God's people, saved by the precious blood of Christ. We're going to read the chapter 9 in its entirety, and then we'll take a look at it verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as, yet, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers' washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, by that, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. 
and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was, therefore, necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. There's a lot of gospel in this chapter. I see in this chapter so many wonderful sermon titles. If you look in verse 11, you see the expression, good things to come. Or in verse 12, eternal redemption obtained. Verse 14, without spot. Or verse 15, the promise of eternal inheritance. Verse 22, remission. Verse 23, a better sacrifice. Verse 24, in the presence of God for us. Verse 26, sin put away. Verse 27, the judgment. And verse 28, Christ offered to bear the sins of many. (laughs) So many wonderful branches of the gospel of our salvation seen there in this chapter. I'm going to go through it as the Lord enables me, uh, verse by verse. I'm thankful for all of the faithful ministers of the gospel that I am blessed to know. I can read their commentaries. I can read sermons they've preached. Um, But as I was going through here, I thought of the person who would hear all of this and be overwhelmed by it. (laughs) And I just want to say very simply to you that our Lord, in speaking of the scriptures, in particular the Old Testament that the Apostle Paul is citing here, and the ceremonies and the sacrifices, our Lord said very simply, These are they which testify of me. And he said to these unbelieving Pharisees, they were not his sheep. He said to them, and you will not come to me that you might have life. It's my purpose as we look through these verses to set forth before you as clearly and as plainly as I can, Christ and him crucified. If you are to believe the gospel, it will be by God's undeserved grace that he blesses the preaching of his word with his Holy Spirit. Now, there, there are a number of things set forth by the Apostle in this chapter. One, he shows us the preeminence of Christ over the tabernacle, its furniture, its priesthood, and its sacrifices. All these have their fulfillment in Christ. Two, the Apostle shows how all which had gone before in the Levitical covenant were but types that pictured Christ that in of themselves these shadows had no power to save, but pointed to the substance of our sure Savior, Christ Jesus, who came into the world to save sinners. Paul speaks about this in the next chapter, declaring that indeed the law was, and if you'll pick up reading there with me in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 10, that the law was, a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year and then verse 4 
For it is, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Now, this is not by no means uh, an original illustration, and my purpose behind this pulpit is not to be original. But in the Old Testament, we have, and I don't have a good light here, we have the shadow. And just as my shadow is, uh, it's impossible to do anything with that shadow. It can't do anything effectual. But the substance of the shadow, it can turn these pages. And so the blood that they sacrificed in the Old Testament, as we read here again, it says that it's impossible, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. But that shadow pointed to the substance, the reality of the blood, the, the effectual blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, as we'll go and on through this portion, I'll show you verses that speak about the, 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 the effectual blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, speaking of the first covenant being uh, taken away that it may be established by the second, we read these words, Then said he, this is speaking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. All right, verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 9. I'll just read the first five verses there. Then verily the first covenant, and had also ordinances of divine service, and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick, and the ta table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. The first covenant had a tabernacle made according to the divine pattern that God showed Moses in the mount, which was of an earthly material with rules and regulations for sacrifice and worship. Now, the tabernacle was 45 feet long, 15 feet wide and 15 feet high, and it had two rooms separated by a heavy veil. In the first partition was the holy place where there was three pieces of furniture. The table of showbread, this table was made of wood overlaid with gold, which pictures the humanity and deity of Christ. Uh, in my studies of the commentaries, it's I learned something about uh, chittim wood. Uh, chittim wood is one of the few types of wood that is not pervious to worms. It is incorruptible in that sense. And it pictures for us how our Lord did not see corruption in the tomb, but rose again on the third day. Now the bread, the 12 loaves, represent Christ, the bread of life. The golden candlestick uh, was there as there were no windows. Now this lampstand was the only light which represents Christ as the light of the world. The lampstand was pure gold, representing his pure deity. And there were seven candles, the number of perfection, indeed the number of God, who is perfect. If you are to be saved, you must be saved by a perfect righteousness, indeed the righteousness of God. Now this candlestick pictured the perfection of his being and the completeness of his revelation and his perfect redeeming work. And then the altar of incense, which is the continual sweet burning incense before the veil, is the intercession of Christ before the Father. Now, the second uh, partition, the second section of the tabernacle was called the holiest of all. In that room, there was one piece of furniture with two parts. That one piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant, the most important thing in the Jewish worship in the Old Testament. It was made of wood covered with pure gold and contained the tables of the law, the Ten Commandments, each tablet containing five commandments each, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the golden pot of manna. The mercy seat was a solid lid of pure gold. It completely covered the ark and the tables of God's broken law, which were in it, 
The mercy seat, the place of atonement and propitiation was overshadowed by the cherubims of glory. If you'll keep your place in Hebrews chapter 9 and look over there with me in Romans chapter 3. When the publican begged in the, the parable of the, the Pharisee and the publican, be merciful to me, a sinner, he was saying, be propitious to me, a sinner. He was looking to the mercy seat that we see in the tabernacle. He was looking to the mercy of God. And in verse 25 of, of Romans chapter 3, we read, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, that is the righteousness of Christ, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. All right, let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. Um, as I was preparing... Uh, this message, I thought often about how I would like to have a model <laughs> of the tabernacle, uh, uh, an actual model. Is there? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, to see how uh, what our said, what our Lord said, that these are they which testify of me. We we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and know not just from a commentary, not just from, uh, but, but just to, from the very, to have God's spirit bless his word to our understanding, that we might see how true it is that these are they which testify of me. You have to show me the, the model afterwards. I'd like to look at that. Yeah. It's a poster board. Okay, I was thinking about getting them. Whatever, whatever it is, I've seen the poster board. I think I saw that, but I was thinking, there's a, it's a, it's it's it, it's the shadow of the reality that we have in Christ. All right, verse six of Hebrews chapter nine. We'll pick up reading there. The apostle continues. Now then, now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heir of the people. Now into the first room called the holy place, the priest went every day. Uh, the, the, the high priest did not go there, but the priest went there every day, morning and evening, accomplishing the service of God by offering sacrifices, burning incense and trimming the lamps. But into the holy of holies, beyond the veil, went only the high priest. Every year the high priest went alone to put the blood on the mercy seat covering the broken law. This day was called the Day of Atonement. And uh, keep your place in Hebrews chapter 9, and you can say there with me in Exodus chapter 30, verse 10. pick up reading there. Well, I'll just read verse 10. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. And then in Leviticus uh, chapter 16 beginning there in verse 15. We read these words. God's word declares in verse 15, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is, for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And then verse 17. 
And shall there be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place. That is, the high priest was entered in alone until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. The apostle continues here. <clears throat> the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing on the earth. Uh, verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now, in these verses, there are several things which the Holy Spirit is teaching the Lord's people. First was this, that while the first tabernacle stood the way into the presence of God was not clearly revealed. Indeed, the truth, the life, and the way was not made fully known until Christ came, and so the sacrifice continued as they were set forth in the Old Covenant. So what is the way into the presence of God today? Now that there is no tabernacle or priesthood, beloved, it is Christ. Look there in Hebrews chapter 10, first, the next chapter over, verse 19. We read here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, and see there the new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. We're going to pick up there verse 20. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Second, the first tabernacle was only a shadow, a symbol for the time present to typify the work of Christ. But now the substance of it has been known, made known in the flesh of Christ by the blood and water of his one offering for sin. If you'll look there in verse 9, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices they could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. The sacrifices never took away sin nor purified the conscience, so they must be continually offered. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we read verse 1, but I'll, I'd like to read that again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll read through to verse 4. We read that again, but it, it needs to be read again. I I have no problem rereading God's Word. <laughs> uh, it just takes one detail. If the Lord is pleased to bless it to someone here this morning, He can save His people if He blesses one word. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year after year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that they wor the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Verse 5, Wherefore then he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said, I, lo, uh, then said I, Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, 
and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is why the Mass of the Roman Catholics is such a such blasphemy, because they teach that they are sacrificing over and over and over again the Son of God. But our but the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificed himself once for sin. And fourthly, coming back to where we were looking there in Hebrews chapter nine, these ceremonies were imposed upon them until the coming of Christ, who fulfilled them all and established the reality of a better covenant of grace. And beloved, that gospel dispensation is now come. Hebrews chapter nine, verse eleven, and we'll read through to verse twelve. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Christ, the great high priest of good things to come, such as peace, righteousness, reconciliation, grace, and mercy, came in a body prepared for him by the Father. Beloved, that appointed time of good things to come is now come. Look over there in Galatians chapter 4 with me. Galatians chapter 4. And I'll pick up reading in verse 4. I'll pick up reading verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differed nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Beloved, Christ is our tabernacle. For in him men meet God, and in him God deals with men. He is our representative, our righteousness, and our redemption. Beloved, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Beloved, our precious Lord, he who knew no sin, was numbered with the transgressors, and died under the penalty of our sins, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As our great high priest, he entered once into the presence of God, the true holy place, not the shadow of it, but the very substance of it, and by the sacrifice of himself made a once-for-all sacrifice that is, that is atonement for sin. Through this one offering, he perfected all believers and obtained eternal redemption. If you look again there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, speaking of the purpose and grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, the apostle writes there, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now we are all priests through our blessed union with Christ, our great high priest, and through the blood and righteousness of his once for all sacrifice for sin, we can come boldly before the very throne of grace. Look there in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, a little bit further down. <clears throat> I'll pick up reading verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. (coughs) All right, verse 13, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We know that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. These sacrifices were never given to remove sin, but rather to illustrate and point to the one that does, the one sin-atoning sacrifice of Christ. The apostle is conveying here that just as the Old Testament sacrifices sanctified the flesh in an external way, how much more shall the very blood of God's own Son offer to God without spot and stain of sin, by the grace and purpose given us in Christ Jesus, thoroughly cleanse us and depurify our souls and deliver us from seeking acceptance through our dead works. Beloved, guilty sinner, you who know you are a sinner, you know you are from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, one vile, putrid sore of leprosy. You who know you have broken God's holy law in thought word and deed, in action and in attitude. Sinner, you who are vile, abominable, and unclean, you may, by God's power, purpose, and grace in Christ, approach the thrice holy God with confidence, peace, and blessed assurance through the precious blood of Christ. For by it you are accepted in the Beloved. For it is not the shadow but rather the substance of that shadow that cleanses us from all sin. Indeed, the blood of Christ actually and really cleanses us from all sin. Keep your place in Hebrews chapter 9 and look over there with me to 1 John. 1 verse 7. You see the latter part there. I'll read the whole verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. All right, let's pick up reading in Hebrews chapter 9. I'll resume there in verse 15. The apostle writes, indeed God's word declares, And for this cause he is the mediator of a new testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Beloved, the Apostle would have us to know by these verses that the Old Testament believers were redeemed by the death of Christ exactly as we are. This New Testament reaches from Adam to Christ. For Adam has and his sons offered blood sacrifices upon an altar. The transgressions that were under it are the sins of believers from Adam until Christ's personal coming into the world. The redemption of these sins was by the bloody, sin-atoning death of Christ. If you look over there in Acts chapter 10, and by this portion I want to show you that indeed the way someone was saved in the Old Testament is the very same way someone is saved today in this new gospel dispensation in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, no matter... If one of God's people were looking to the 
the substance, even though they were looking to the shadow, they were looking to the substance. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, we read, To him give all the prophets witness. This is speaking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the same thing that Philip, who came running to Nathanael, said, We have found him, the one whom Moses and the prophets give testimony of, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The same gospel here is recorded. To him give all the prophets witness. This is the same thing our Lord said when he said, These are they which testify of me. The prophets, the Psalms, the Proverbs, these are they which testify of me. That through his name, the Lord Jesus Christ, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Indeed, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, every saint of God is saved the same way. By believing on him, that is, Christ Jesus the Lord. Is this not what our Lord declared when he says of our brother Abraham? He rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The promise of eternal inheritance was made to all believers by him who is the mediator of the will and testament. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll pick up reading there. Verse, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not have ye should I would not I would not have that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all and were all baptized in, unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. In verses 16 and 17 in Hebrews 9, the apostle tells us that there were that where there is a will and testament, there must be the death of the testator. And so, just as it is the case with any other will, so too with our Lord's. For no no claim can be made by the heirs until the test testator dies. And so, all that Christ has given to all believers can never be ours actually until He had by his death fulfilled the demands of the law and righteousness. Our Lord, as our testator, speaks of the necessity of this in John chapter 10. If you'll turn there with me, John chapter 10, verse 14. Our Lord declares in John's gospel, chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As a father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. And further in this chapter, our testator speaks very plainly to whom his will and testament pertains. Verse 25. First he addresses who it does not pertain to. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father 
are one. Beloved, Christ must suffer and die if we are to be redeemed. This is the commandment that our Lord received of his Father, that he should give his life a ransom for the sheep, sinners that he sent his Son into the world to save. Look, at the, look over there in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Amen. All right, let's turn back to Hebrews 9 and we'll pick up reading there in verse 18. The apostle continuing here, God's word sets forth in verse 18. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. Verse 20, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Just as the old covenant with Israel was ratified and put into force with blood, so too the new covenant of Christ. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law for the tabernacle and its services, the apostle writes, He took the blood of calves and of goats with water, which typified the blood and water which flowed from the side of our dear Redeemer. How very blessedly does the blood and water that flowed from our dear Lord's side picture for us our justification and sanctification. The apostle writes, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. In verse 23, the apostle writes, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And so we see that the tabernacle, the mercy seat, the written law, the priesthood, and the nation Israel were all patterns of what is in heaven. As we read last week in Hebrews chapter 8 regarding these earthly shadows, that they serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou maketh all things according to the pattern that the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Christ, our great high priest, comes before the holy throne of God, representing spiritual Israel and every believing Jew and Gentile in Christ, which is indeed an Israelite, indeed, true Israel. Our Lord satisfies the law. He atones for our sin with his blood. He prays for us. He presents us a suitable atonement, indeed, the expiation for our sins. All right, uh, verse 24, Hebrews chapter 9, we read, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood and other uh, with the blood of others, 
For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Christ, our mediator and high priest, is not entered into a holy place made by human hands, as the tabernacle was on earth, which was but a pattern or a picture of the true tabernacle. But our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, hath entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. It is not necessary for him to offer more than one sacrifice. Beloved, our Lord, our great high priest, offered one sacrifice for sins forever and is sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. If he had to offer a yearly atonement like the priests of old, he would have suffered death thousands of times, for he has been our priest from the foundation of the world. But now in these last days, he hath appeared in the likeness of sinful flesh to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself once and for all. And through it, he expiates, that is, he takes away all our guilt and shame, indeed all our sin, to be remembered no more. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read these words. I'll begin reading in verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Through the blessed person and finished saving work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we hear the gospel recorded for us by the Holy Spirit in the next chapter in Hebrews, speaking of God's elect, his beloved people, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Indeed, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has taken away our sin. As we've read already in Hebrews chapter 9, we'll read again in a moment. In verse 26, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And in verse 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, the apostle is showing us here, as men die just once and face judgment but once, so too Christ was once offered to bear our sins. They are paid for and put away. Unto them who believe on him and look for him, he will appear without sin unto eternal glory. What does this mean, beloved? Very simply this, no condemnation. No condemnation. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And if you look further down in that chapter in Romans chapter 8 and verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this chapter of Hebrews, chapter 9, we read, He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. If we are in Christ indeed united to him by the unspeakable gift of his faith, washed in his blood and clothed in his righteousness. The day of his return is not a day of dread, but rather, beloved, a day of deliverance, finally from the very presence of sin itself. And before we conclude our time together, beloved believing sinner, I want you to see the very same gospel we've been looking at here in Hebrews chapter 9 in Malachi chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me in Malachi chapter 3. I'll pick up reading there in verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord will And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, and whom whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. (coughs) Hebrews asks the question, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And in verse 2 of Malachi, we hear the same question put a different way. Who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Why no condemnation? Beloved, by the purifying sacrifice of Christ, we may offer unto the Lord by the faith and by faith in His blood and righteousness, an offering in righteousness. Indeed, the righteousness of Him who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, our blessed Redeemer. Amen.